Welcome to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. Here at Fremont, we create space for people to become lifelong followers of Jesus, and we relentlessly pursue His transformation of our neighborhood, our city, and the world. Here's today's message. As David said, this is my last sermon with you all. Um, I know, yeah, the boo is fair. I can accept the boo. Um, And it has been a gift and an honor to serve this community as your junior high ministry director, and it is my gift and honor today to read the word of God with each of you. So would you, I don't know, physical Bible, Bible on the internet, however you access your (laughs) scripture, Um, we are going to be in the book of Exodus. That's the second book in the Bible. And we are going to chapter three, and we will start right next to that big three in verse one. This is the word of the Lord for us today in Exodus chapter three, verses one through 15. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, 
Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We're in the middle of a series about being sent. And in this text, we get to take a sneak peek into God calling Moses and sending him to take part in releasing the Israelites from their slavery in Egypt, which had gone on for hundreds of years by the time this conversation is happening, and leading them into a land that God had promised them long before this conversation. God shows up right where Moses is in a burning bush. That's a little spooky town. Moses thinks it's interesting. And and God says, hey, here I am. This is a holy space. I've heard the cries of my people. Their oppression isn't okay with me. And so I am going to liberate them from their slavery. And in the midst of this, which the Israelites had been praying for and praying for and praying for, this good news, God says, hey, Moses, I want you to join me. I want you to go and liberate the people, to lead them out of Egypt, out of slavery, and into the beautiful land I have for them. And this might sound cool, I think if we're talking about being sent or being called, that can sound exciting or like, wow, I wish God would tell me so specifically what to do or where to go like this. But we see Moses does not have that response. He's not honored. He's not excited. Instead, he gives excuse after excuse. He asks question after question. Who am I? Who are you, God? I'm not very good at talking. What if they don't believe me when I say what you asked me to say? Finally, in chapter four, Moses just gets to the point and he tells God that he does not want to go. He says, send somebody else. This call, it's not for me. I love in the New Living Translation, Moses says, send anyone else, like find literally any other person. It just cannot be me. Moses does not want to go where God has called him. God invites Moses into this big and beautiful story of freedom. And Moses says, I don't want to go. The spoiler here is that Moses still has to go. (laughs) And we can see in the rest of Exodus that God is indeed with Moses, that God indeed frees his people from slavery and they come out of Egypt. 
It's important that Moses is honest with God in this text. He can bring his questions, he can bring his fears and insecurities and his excuses. We can follow that example. And just like Moses, we cannot expect for God to make our call easier just because of how we are feeling about it. God still calls Moses to do a difficult thing. We in this room are also called to do difficult things. It's not maybe the same as Moses. It's maybe not the same as what I am called to do or what your neighbor is called to do. But each and every one of us is called by God. We're called to have faith. We're called to trust. We're called to reconcile broken relationships. We're called to serve others with kindness, even the people we don't really want to serve with kindness. We're called to be faithful and persevere through challenging circumstances. That doesn't sound like an easy list to me. In fact, those sound like pretty challenging calls on our lives as people who follow God. And that is where God's word meets us today because this isn't just nice for Moses that God has called him and he got to have this conversation and then he went anyway. But this has a truth that is good for each and every one of us that applies to each and every one of our hearts. When it is hard, we can go where God calls us. When it is hard, we can go where God calls us because God is with us. When it is hard, we can go where God calls us because God is who he is. When it is hard, we can go where God calls us. Can not meaning that it's easy, but meaning that we are equipped, empowered, and enabled to do the things God has asked us to do. I wanna jump into this first reason why, or maybe way how, we can do the hard things God has called us to do. In verse 11 in chapter three, Moses asks God a question. God calls him and he says, wait, (laughs) I have a question. And he asks, who am I? I think Moses asks this question because Moses knows who he is. Moses knows that he was born a Hebrew and that when the Egyptian Pharaoh decided to kill all male Hebrew babies. He was sent down the river, picked up by the Egyptian princess, and raised in the royal household. He knows that he doesn't really fit in in the Egyptian royal world, but he also doesn't really fit in with people of his own ethnic background. Moses knows that he has a heart for justice for the Hebrew people. And he knows that he allowed sin to enter into that good desire and that he killed an Egyptian man who was beating a Hebrew man. He did it on purpose. He did it in cold blood. We see in Exodus 2 that he looked around to make sure nobody would see him do it. And Moses knows that that was the reason 
he had to leave Egypt. He had to flee for his life to avoid the consequences of his actions. And Moses knows that now he is a shepherd in a foreign land. He has a wife, he has kids, he's working for his father-in-law. All of who Moses is uh, makes him ask, who am I? What is so special about me? Why are you calling me to do this big and glorious thing? God does not choose to answer Moses' question. God does this a lot. He's like, oh, that's a nice question. (laughs) And there's tension in that because God does not go off on like what he sees in Moses or why he has chosen Moses. But rather, God tells Moses what he needs to know, and I think God tells us what we need to know in these words. God says, I will be with you. And it comes with a promise that God says, you'll know I was with you when you come back to this exact place, you stand on this exact mountain with all of Israel with you when it has been done. In God affirming his presence with Moses, we see God saying that it actually doesn't matter who Moses is. It doesn't matter what Moses is good at or bad at, what he has done or left undone. What matters is that God has chosen to be with him. And that alone is what equips Moses to go where God has called him. This word is true for each of us today, that what we have done or left undone, what we think we're amazing at or what we really don't feel comfortable with is not what equips us to follow the call of God. Rather, it is the presence of God that is real with us as we go where he leads. I think it's easy to talk about God being with us And maybe thinking about that, I'm like, oh, that is so, that's such a nice thought. (laughs) But it's harder to really let that truth soak deep into every piece of us and live from that place of knowing that we are not alone and that God is with us. This kind of knowing and that kind of knowing, they're different. When I think about this, I think about a time when I was at Bible camp in Alaska. Um, We were in a rural Alaskan village, and just outside of that village is a camp that is much like any other summer camp. So maybe whatever summer camp experience you have in your brain, super similar. Um, And this camp is on the river, and the river freezes in the winter, and then when summer comes, all the ice breaks up, the water starts moving. And to get to camp, you drive over this big, tall bridge. And once we're there, at free time, we would walk down to the bridge and jump off the bridge and into the river. It's really fun, it's a little scary, but it is fun. (laughs) And one of my camp friends was with me, and she had come to camp many times. And she, every time, had been determined to jump off of the bridge. She knew what this was about. She's like, everyone does this. I want to do it. I want to face my fears. But when she 
stepped up to the edge of the bridge and looked down and thought, that's pretty, it's pretty far down there. And she thought, oh, that water was just frozen two weeks ago, so it's really cold. (laughs) And am I really sure I'm a good swimmer right now? (laughs) Because this is a little scary. When her eyes were on herself and her circumstances, the thing that she deeply desired to do felt impossible. And as she thought and prayed about this throughout the week, because it was like a multi-year and multi-day process, (laughs) she came to a conclusion that I find incredibly wise. She said, I can't jump off of the bridge by myself. And she said, but I can go if you jump with me. She knew that she did not have it in herself to take the leap. But when she looked away from herself and away from her circumstances and towards somebody who could empower her and help her, she knew that she could do what she was called to do. There is power in knowing that someone else is with us. It changes everything, but not in the way of like, oh, the bridge just got shorter, or the water really warmed on up, or you have now been bequeathed the swimming gifts of Michael Phelps. (laughs) Rather, the knowledge that she was not alone allowed her to take the leap. I wonder what would change in your lives and in my life if we really believed that we were not alone. And if we were willing to say, I can't do this by myself, but I can do it if you jump with me, where would you follow God? What hard conversations would you have? Or what apologies would you make? Who would you go out and serve if you knew you weren't going it alone? Who would you love extravagantly if you knew it didn't all have to come from you? When it is hard, we can go where God calls us because God is with us. God promises us his presence. And this brings a question for me, and I don't know, maybe it is stirring in you as well. We have to ask who this God is. Because if we are standing on the bridge and we look and we say, oh, like that that person over there, I'll jump with them, uh, but they can't swim, that actually makes it worse. It doesn't make it better. (laughs) It makes it way more complicated. If it's a good thing that God is with us, if this text is saying that God's presence equips and empowers us, then we have to ask, what is it about God that makes it so good that he's around. And God gives us the answer in this text. When it is hard, we can go where God calls us because God is who he is. We see Moses, so he asks, who am I? 
God does not answer his question, but gives him some important information. And then God asks another, or no, not God. Moses is asking the questions here. Moses asks a question. He brings up this whole hypothetical scenario. He's like, okay, so if I go and if I tell the Israelites this thing and then they tell me this thing, then what should I say? I think this is fascinating because Moses had no intention of going. (laughs) Like, he tells us in chapter four that he did not want to go. Why is he thinking of this scenario? Why even ask the question if his answer is no? This question harkens back to one Moses was asked in his past. And I think him asking this gets right at the heart of his shame. We talked about that Moses killed an Egyptian man. And the next day after after doing that, he goes back to that same place and he sees two Israelite men fighting each other. And he tries to break up the fight. He says, don't, like, don't fight each other. Like, what are you doing? And one of the men looks at him, knowing what Moses had did the day before, and asks, who appointed you to be our prince and our judge? Who sent you? Who thought it was a good idea for you to be here? Who gave you the authority to tell us what to do? God makes it clear that he is calling Moses in spite of his past. But that does not erase the reality of what we have done and left undone. And it does not mean that this question that comes up from our deepest place of shame is not going to arise. Moses asks, who sent me? Because he didn't have an answer the last time he acted in justice for his people. Moses is ashamed. And God so gently does not shame Moses more. Where God chose not to answer Moses' first question, God answers this one and tells Moses his covenant name. Verse 14 says, I am who I am. Some translations will render this, I will be what I will be. You might have heard this name as Yahweh or as Jehovah. This is the covenant name for God. And in verse 15, it says, this is how God will be known throughout all generations. There's a lot going on in this. I am who I am is a little mysterious. It's like, oh, what does that mean? And we could spend all week talking about what it means, but that would be cruel and unusual, so we will not do that. (laughs) But I have three, just maybe thoughts of what it means that I think are especially important for this text. I am who I am means that God is always present. The verb tenses are the same, which means that God didn't have a beginning and doesn't have an end. Where we are limited, God is limitless. I am who I am means that God is always consistent. God isn't 
I am this one day and I am that the next day. God is who he is. We see this in the name and we also see it in God's repeated reminders to Moses that he is the God of Moses' fathers, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. God wants Moses to know that he is the same God who has been faithful throughout generations and will be faithful to Moses. God wants us to know that God is the same God who has been faithful, not just throughout the scriptural witness, but throughout the historical witness of the church. And he will be faithful to us. I am who I am means that God is the only one. I am who I am is not, and somebody else can be who I am. <laughs> God alone is like this. When Moses comes up to the bush, God says, stop. You're standing in a sacred place. This is holy ground. And that tells us that God is the only one like himself and that that should give Moses a, like some respect. So I'm like, okay, we know what's going on here. Only God is this present, this consistent, and this powerful. When we face challenging things, we want people to be with us. But people fail us. Even the people with the best of intentions don't show up when we need them. Sometimes they even say hurtful things or do hurtful things right when we needed their support. God isn't like us. God is always present. He doesn't forget. God is always with us. He doesn't leave because something better came along. This is the kind of friend we want on our team. This is the kind of person who we can say, yeah, it's a good thing that they're with us. This God who is who he is equips us to go where he has called us to go. Just as Moses asks this question out of his place of shame, I want us to take a few moments to think about where you might have asked that question from. Where you feel deeply ashamed. Would you tell God what that space is? And would you invite him to remind you that he is who he is? Take a few moments, think about it. Those places of shame are hard. And when it's hard, we can go where God calls us because God is who he is. When it is hard, we can go where God calls us. We can go where God calls us because God is with us. He doesn't leave us alone, but he goes before us and beside us and behind us, taking the leap with us. 
We can go where God calls us because God is who he is. The very best kind of person to have present with us in times of trouble. Always coming through, always there, always wielding power beyond whatever we can imagine. God is calling each of us and he equips us to go. He equips us to take the leap. When it is hard, we can go where God calls us. So let's go. I'm gonna invite you guys to pray with me. I see some junior high faces in the room, so this phrase will be super familiar to you. Um, But I invite you to choose a posture of prayer, whatever that is, that is reverent towards God, that's respectful to your neighbor. God, thank you. Thank you for this text and that you reveal yourself to Moses and then through this word to us. Thank you for being with us and being all of who you are. Thank you for inviting us and calling us into the good work that you are doing. God, give us strength. Give us courage. Remind us that you are with us and help us to take the leap. You've been listening to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit fremontpress.org. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 a.m. in the sanctuary for classic worship and 10.30 a.m. in the Community Life Center for modern worship. You can catch the live stream of both services at fremontpress.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get the latest episode each week. Thanks for listening.